This is Crescent Project Radio, bringing you powerful testimony, practical teaching, and exciting truth about God's miraculous movement in the Muslim world and how we as Christians can join Him in this kingdom work. Our goal is to see every Muslim have an opportunity to respond to the gospel and be connected to a true follower of Jesus. You can find us online at crescentproject.org. Have a comment or question? Email them to radio at crescentproject.org. We would love to hear from you and have a chance to respond on a future program. And welcome back to Crescent Project Radio, where we believe we have a hope worth sharing. I'm your host, Matt Bonner, and I'm excited to be introducing to you to a very special person we've got to know who is living in a very difficult place in the Muslim world. Sarah lives in Pakistan, a very strict Muslim country, and she found Crescent Project online when searching for our resor- or for resources. She's been impacted by our podcasts and some articles and our Bridges online course. And so I think we can learn a lot from her about what it's like to live for Christ in the face of serious and dangerous risk and even dire consequences, not only for her, but for her family. And so we're going to talk with her today about that and about what we can learn about living for Christ and engaging Muslims with the gospel in such a serious context. So, Sarah, welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, it's good to have you on. And uh, why don't you start by just telling us briefly about you and your family? Uh, my name is Sarah, and I live in Pakistan. And I live with my parents, and I just have one more sister. And she has recently completed her studies and has moved to the U.S. for work. And, and my mother, she's a teacher. And she made sure that we get really good education because it's very difficult to live in Pakistan, especially for Christians if you do not have good education. And my father, uh, he just takes care of the house. And what was it like uh, growing up for you there? Um, I think if I go back into my childhood and my teenage uh, I have been uh, blessed to be closely attached to the church and to some youth fellowship, which has actually helped me uh, to stay uh, close to Jesus. But uh, normally, um, in other areas, it's not very common. People are not really getting this opportunity to be closely attached to fellowship groups, or it's not really a culture here. But uh, now, like I have grown up, I've started to see the changes. Things are changing. And parents, especially the Christian parents, they encourage their children to go and learn the word of God from not only church, um, but from some fellowship groups, uh, youth groups as well. Mm, that's good. So then I, so you were raised as a Christian then, and your family is all Christian? Of yes, of course. Thanks to the Lord mm. that we are the chosen ones. <laughs> Very good. Now, what do you do for work then? I work as a I work in a private company, and um, I have been doing this work for more than like six to seven years now, mm-hmm. and it's going good, thanks to the God. Hmm. Very good. Now, how did you find Crescent Project? Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, it's like eight months ago. I mean. Uh, I used to, I, this is kind of my habit when I work, I usually listen to music. I put my headphones on to focus and not, you know, listen to the conversation, whatever is going on. So I, instead of one day, I just realized that instead of just listening to music, I should, you know, listen something 
that can help me to focus to that to you know uh, to get what I am actually seeking. And I've, uh, I used to look for uh, the resources, books or testimonies where I can see life examples. Uh, where Jesus, are, where people are still, uh, you know, having encounters with Jesus, like through dreams and visions, anything that could, you know, help me. Because I have read the Bible, and it obviously, whenever you read even the stories many times, it it always gives you a different kind of feeling. But that is in the past. But Jesus is still here in my time as well. It's working in my life. And it is a very good source of encouragement when you get to hear uh, the stories about people who have actually experienced, uh, you know, listening to Jesus' voice and uh, seeing him actually in dreams and visions. So I was looking uh, to the resources. I was just, you know, typing different things in Google. So it took me to Crescent Project and uh, the podcast. And first of all, I just closed the page because uh, it has all the word, you know, the Muslim world and your I closed and I thought it's not safe to open it in the it at my workplace. But then I just opened it again and there were so many testimonies there. I listened to one and then there was a testimony uh, from uh, Pakistan as well. The acid attack that really, really touched. I actually started crying, you know, after listening that story. It happened in my country and I didn't know about that. And there were so many other people. Nabil Qureshi was one of them as well. And I obviously got to know him after he died. And uh, what I used to do is that I used to uh, Google those people, you know, uh, maybe on YouTube, on other resources to know more about them, that how they are doing, you know, how, how they are living their lives now, even after recording their podcast and all. So this was actually an inspiration for me. And every day I used to, you know, listen uh, to these um, podcast crescent project have their own website and it started changing my life you know it started making me think different things about my life the things that i didn't know the things things that you know used to come to my mind and i didn't have answers for that so it was actually you know going back into the time where jesus was just eating you know laughing sharing stories physically with all the people and stories on Crescent Projects, they actually uh, kind of, you know, uh, make, made me, made those feelings more strong. So it actually brought me in, brought, brought me closer to the heart of Jesus. That's excellent. And so, so encouraging to hear and, and so glad that you did find us and so glad that, that we are a Google search away, uh, even there in, uh, in Pakistan that you, you found us. It's wonderful. So glad to hear that. Now, we know that Pakistan is a strict Muslim country, and Christian persecution is, is a growing problem, as you know, and the country's blasphemy laws have become pretty much notorious, I mean, because they, you know, they carry the penalty of death. So in a country of roughly 200 million there in Pakistan, there are just under 4 million Christians living there. And so I was looking at this, some, some data on this, and according to Open Doors, which is a Christian ministry focused on the persecuted, Pakistan is ranked fifth on the world watch list with heavy violence and pressure against Christians. And any perceived threats to the dominant Islamic culture are often brutally put down, and Christians are regarded even as second-class citizens. And any accusation of blasphemy against Islam can lead to mob violence, and we've seen that uh, in the news some. And of course, we'd be remiss to not mention the well-known case of Asiya Bibi, who was accused of blasphemy and sat on death row for 10 years 
until she was finally acquitted in October of last year, actually. And of course, she's uh, still in grave danger, even though she's uh, been released. So a report uh, by the Movement for Solidarity and Peace in Pakistan found that at least a thousand girls belonging to Christian and Hindu communities are forced to marry Muslim men every year. This is reported in a 2018 Human Rights Watch report. Uh, And this violence uh, against Christians also manifests in churches being attacked, Christians being detained, arrested, abducted, raped, and forcefully married, as we mentioned a second ago, uh, brutalized and driven out of the country. So every year, Christians are are killed in Pakistan because of their faith. So it's a very serious uh, environment. So tell us about what it's been like for you uh, to live in Pakistan as as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Well, I live in an area where it's comparatively safe to live compared to other, you know, areas of this country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe because they do not want any kind of violence or political instability or any kind of, you know, disruption in this area. Mm-hmm. So, and people are actually in this area are more educated. They are not really very extremist, like we hear news. Mm-hmm. So these kind of stories, of course, I have heard as well. I only got to know from uh, news and sometimes from friends and family, uh, relatives. Uh, you know, sometimes I meet them in church and sometimes they post on Facebook and send it on, you know, on messages as well. Mm-hmm. But uh I personally, myself, I haven't really, you know, encountered any person that has actually told me that they have been through this kind of, a, you know, problem like forced marriage or something. So, but I can say that, of course, if it's there in the news and people are saying it and I have this page, I've liked this page on Facebook, Christians in Pakistan. So they post these kind of stories there as well. Mm-hmm. So... I think, I mean, um, it may be, there must be some truth in it. That's why, you know, the news is there. And um, if you ask me, of course, uh, being a Christian, I have to be careful what I speak because I'm not really allowed to officially declare my faith, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in front of everybody because in, or engage in any kind of conversation with, uh, you know, friends at work or in school or university. Because children or, you know, people like here, they are especially uh, advised uh, to not to speak, you know, or engage in any kind of discussions that can lead to any kind of or argument or anything that can affect their lives or, mm-hmm. you know, get them killed. Mm-hmm. So we, we here, like we, when we go to work, we, even if somebody wants to talk to us about our uh, religion or wants to know anything about Christ, we usually, you know, avoid the conversation. We do not really talk to them. But after Crescent Project, <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought this is not right. I mean, I think I have been, uh, I've been advised the wrong thing. This mm. is not, uh, this how should it work? So I actually started uh, uh, getting more involved in these kind of discussions. If people are interested. I started asking them, you know, what are their questions and I'm ready to help and maybe anything we can talk about. But of course, being, uh, being, uh, uh, would you say, like at the same time, you have to take care that you do not uh, say anything that can offend anyone mm-hmm. uh, or make you or get yourself in any kind of trouble. 
but like civil people like you can talk any other thing you can of course talk about the uh, difference in belief as well and if they have any questions so you can definitely answer and everyone should um, but obviously people here uh, not even children not even like youngster teenage even like the pastors they are afraid to talk these things and they advise the same uh, to all their people that they are they should and they should not talk any kind of these things to these people mm. Now, tell me about uh, any kind of uh, personal kind of uh, discriminations. You, you've kind of experienced some there. Um, I think you've talked about some uh, with me about uh, just things maybe at work or some things you've experienced there. Mm, yeah, there is one thing that I have experienced. I don't know why, because um, although, I mean, I haven't really, uh, really experienced anything major, but there was this one thing that, you know, I cooked i am i'm like i love cooking food and uh, i cooked a very good meal and i thought that i'll just you know uh, share it with my work colleagues so i spent so much time in cooking that meal and i made it with so much love uh, that i had for my colleagues so i took the meal and took it to my office and when i you know opened my lunch box to share it with everybody so people <laughs> i don't know why i mean we were talking we were like we work together, but they, they just didn't really, you know, eat my food. Uh, they said they were hungry. And uh, and it was not like that. They were not really hungry. I actually investigated it. But it was uh, later it came to my notice that they just don't want to eat my food because I am a Christian, which was very shocking to me because they all are very educated, very literate people. But somehow they still have this thing in their mind that they don't want to eat the food from a Christian home. Mm. And it really devastated me. I got really, you know, hurt. And uh, I thought I kept thinking about it for some time. But then I decided, let's just move on. <laughs> it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it had to have been hard. It had been hard. Now, what about in other offices you mentioned, uh, you've talked about kind of some discrimination and how Christians are viewed uh, kind of as a, as a minority. What about that as well? What have you seen or heard about that? Well, this is very common here, and uh, I have seen it myself in the newspapers or whenever the vacancies, vacancies are announced, you know, a job opening. Mm-hmm. So for the jobs, like especially for, for cleaning the floors or you know, for the janitor post, for cleaning the washrooms, they usually hire people. They specifically mention in the advertisement, in the job vacancies, that they only want to, uh, you know, hire this position is open only for the minorities. Mm. So people here, like youth group also uh, protest about this thing on social media as well. But I don't say anything. So they, uh, the, you know, people who are responsible for it, they took any notice of it. And uh, even when I, I mean, I've observed it myself as well, even at my own workplace or any other workplace, if you go and just uh, meet these, meet this kind of a staff, you can only see Christians there, you know. Mm-hmm. There is no way. And when you ask them, why, you know, when you ask these people, why are you, like, why are you uh, working uh, on this position? So these, our people, our community people, they tell us, that uh, because we do not uh, get another job, so we need money. Of course, we need to live. So that's why we have to. We do not have any choice. Mm-hmm. So we have to, you know, accept this uh, job, which is actually very disappointing for me. 
and i really really pray i pray every day that you know things would change mm-hmm. and uh, our community people would also you know get good jobs good positions mhm yeah absolutely tell us about your church and and their view uh, towards muslims um i mean uh, if you talk about you know my own community of course the church is doing great not really great what i have seen in other countries or talking like you know getting to know uh, but what the church does uh, from my friends from my sister as well but if you talk about this community like the muslim people so they do not even they're not really interested to even talk about uh, muslims let alone sharing the word of god with them um, i don't know sometimes saddens me sometimes get makes me angry that either they're too much selfish or they're too much scared they do not have courage for sure because i've never seen anyone talking on this topic uh since i started to get some understanding about my faith i've never seen anyone mm. well yeah that is sad i mean what what do you think would happen if if a muslim wanted to attend your church and seemed you know genuinely uh seeking the truth of god and 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 wanted to be learning about what it was to be christian i mean would they would they be allowed to attend and be accepted to attend the church most of the churches do not really allow them to enter uh and i can understand their uh you know concern as well because you know there have been so many incidents where uh there were bomb attacks and many people died especially on the on our you know on easter or christmas on christmas so mm-hmm. uh, i can understand their Um, but uh, you know, normally, normally it's not a culture there. Culture here in Pakistan, people are not really allowed. Uh, even if they, you know, some of my friends ask me, they want to see how the church looks like from inside, and you know, they want to know how we pray and all. So you have to sometimes talk to your pastor way earlier before the event, or you know, and you have to get some kind of identification number and give their details. beforehand and sometimes they do allow and sometimes they don't allow because i know um that uh, i i mean i mean made it possible for my friend on christmas to go to church uh, church but i also know a story where another colleague was asking another friend and and uh, uh, she tried to get the permission but she could not get the permission to you know to take her to church the pastor didn't allow mhm yeah Yeah. I can certainly understand the the challenge and the the restrictions and the fear there. It's really difficult. Well, what about life uh, as a woman in Pakistan? Can you share some about that? No, it is not really good. It's not easy for a woman to live free in Pakistan. Mhm. I uh, for example, she's not really secure to travel alone. She has to face so many pressures either being a wife or a mother or a daughter. and respecting the women it is just in their holy book but no one really follows that because these people have uh, i don't know what kind of uh, thinking they have they stare the women with such dirty eyes that sometimes you actually feel that you're not wearing anything and you're naked and even though you know we have here a culture of wearing full clothes and even sometimes taking you know covering over head as well but uh, So this is very common here. Mm. Yeah. Now, and uh, another thing, just to add that uh, forced marriages are very common here. Uh, 
uh, even in the Muslim community, even in the Christian community, it's a very common culture here. A lot of girls out there, they do not have really a choice to even uh, make to choose their husband. Mm. So sometimes, uh, so much, you know, sometimes uh, in Christian families, they, they do say that, of course, you can make your own choice. But then there there is this emotional blackmailing uh, comes in that, uh, you know, that you are just getting so old and uh, uh, and how would you live alone if you do not find a man? It's, you cannot just live independently in this culture, in this society. People will kill you and do this to you and blah and blah. And how would you survive, etc. These kind of emotional blackmailing comes from every family, even it's a Muslim family or a Christian family. And then many, many marriages uh, I have seen uh, they are just getting, um, you know, they are, people are even getting after married, after their marriage, they're getting separated from each other. They're not really happy about it. They advise other young girls, like my cousins who are married and not really, of course, happy. They tell the other girls that it's not really a good idea to get married and all. But uh, every girl, you know, at some point, uh, she has to uh, make a compromise and get married. Mm-hmm. So it's not really cool to live. Mm. Now, is your family influenced by the this culture of forced marriages expectation? I mean, have you have your parents given you the freedom to to choose who you might marry? Yeah, they they like I said that of course they they gave me the freedom to choose. Uh, but they are obviously I won't say they are not influenced by the culture. They are influenced by the culture. Mm-hmm. Whenever they hear anything from their relatives, they start, uh, you know, pressurizing me and uh, they start giving me this kind of emotional blackmailing thing that uh, that you have to take care of yourself. How would you live and all? And then sometimes they, when I make them understand that this is now how it works and whenever the time comes, I will, you know, marry and all. So then sometimes they understand me, but sometimes they get influenced by others. So this is how it is. Mm. And one of the things that I would also like to mention here um, is that it's very, very difficult to find a good match, especially when it comes to boys. So I don't know which is I have to I have to say it with a broken heart, but that men here, like the boys, they don't really study here. On the other hand, girls are really getting good education. They are very hardworking, you know, but the boys, they do not study hard. And they do not build a good life for themselves. So parents have to think, uh, you know, many times before they, you know, make the decision for their uh, for their daughters. And sometimes they even don't care even, you know, uh, because if they are not like the parents are not very educated and all, so don't really bother to check if the boy is, mm-hmm. you know, is well settled or not. So they, you know, actually uh, just try to get rid of the burden that's how I would say it. that's what they do. Actually, they just try to, you know, get rid of the burden. Mm. Yeah, man, that's tough. Yeah. Really tough. Well, well, um, looks like we're about out of time for this first segment. Um, time flies uh, when you're talking and uh, about such topics. But uh, want to close uh, this time uh, with a prayer and um, uh, tell me how we can uh, pray for you, and then we'll we'll pray, and then we'll come back, and we'll we'll have another segment to continue the conversation and hear more from you. But uh, how can we how can we pray for you uh, in this first segment? I would only say like 
you know, Crescent Project opened my eyes and it helped me to grow my faith. So maybe many of the people here are in need. They are thirsty. They need the water. So maybe any God will do any miracle like that's what I pray. And I mean, I request you to pray the same that not only, you know, people from our community, but other people should also somehow get the opportunity to click those links, any link, you know, that can uh, bring them close to Jesus. Hmm. Very good. All right. Well, let's pray then. Our God and Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to talk with Sarah. We thank you for the way that you have um, saved her, saved her family, and, and blessed her uh, with a good job. And we thank you for the way that you have um, protected her throughout her life. And we pray your blessing on her and her family that uh, she could uh, grow and thrive and succeed there. I pray that, as she asked, many more would come to know you and to discover good, solid resources online and other places that they might discover your truth. And I pray that, especially for uh, her uh, friends and colleagues and many that she knows. And just pray that you would uh, use her in a mighty way and just give her peace and protection and strength as she goes about her daily life uh, living in uh, her area. And just pray that you give her opportunities to point people to you and that you would do so and give her wisdom in that. Thank you and praise you for what you're doing in her life. And uh, thank you for this opportunity to talk with her today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Crescent Project Radio. We believe we have a hope worth sharing. Learn more about Crescent Project online at crescentproject.org, where you can find all of our previous podcasts featuring testimonies from former Muslims, teaching and apologetics, interviews with ministry leaders and book authors, along with commentary on current events and ministry news. Email us your comments or questions to radio at crescentproject.org. Stay connected by subscribing to our bi-monthly email, Call to Prayer, which is focused on prayer for the Muslim world. We hope you'll join us again next time on Crescent Project Radio.